Let's stop, my daughter said, after biking five miles one early morning. We were on a six-week bike trip in Ireland and Wales, and we're on our fifth day. Our mantra had been that we were where we wanted to be. We discouraged, setting demanding goals and biking fast. We accepted the rule that the speed of our group should be determined by the slowest biker. On this day, after just five miles, we stopped. We were on the Ring of Kerry in southwestern Ireland. It was a day well spent. This is Retirement Talk. I'm Del Lowry. This episode is entitled, In Praise of Slow Travel. We just finished a road trip, Washington, Oregon, and California. It was an 18-day trip, 10 days visiting our daughter in California and 8 days driving. When on the road, we drove around 300 miles a day. We thought we had traveled pretty slowly until Saturday night when we had dinner with friends who had also returned from a road trip. They averaged 150 miles per day. We will start at the crack of dawn, is one of my favorite phrases. What this means, in reality, is a start somewhere around 9 a.m., give or take a half hour. Driving after 5 p.m. is rarely done. Of course, we like to stop to take pictures, walk on the beach, have lunch, find a local coffee shop, or jump in our bikes for a short ride. I know some people who like to turn a road trip into an endurance contest. They judge the success of the trip by how many miles they cover. We have a relative who takes great pride in driving 700 miles or even 900 miles a day. He determines the number of gas stops and bathroom stops before the car ever leaves the driveway. And then, no matter the protest, he does not stop. His daughter-in-law was screaming in agony on one trip for a bathroom stop. But he would not. I don't understand this attitude towards a trip or a vacation. When we left Alaska, our daughter flew to Anchorage to accompany us on our road trip south. We were 40 miles out of Anchorage when we first pulled to the side of the road. The mountains were beautiful. A glacier could be seen off to our right. Why are we stopping, she asked. We have over 2,000 miles to go. We will never get there. No need to rush life, I responded. This quote came to me from a bush pilot many years earlier in Alaska. It had become a household mantra whenever pressure was extended to go faster than what was comfortable for anyone. We made it down the highway. She just had to adjust her expectations. Now I'm thinking of following our friend's lead and pulling in our driving distance expectations. It might be better to travel less miles per day. That is one of the advantages of retirement. We have time. We can take an extra hour, an extra day, or an extra week. By retirement age, life has hopefully taught us to accept some limitations. Just three hours ago, we were strolling down the streets on Granville Island in Vancouver. We had just explored a newly established broom-making studio 
where two young women make brooms in the shaker style. They only use two broom-making tools, and they are each over a hundred years old. We strolled outside, and within one block saw a distinguished-looking older gentleman with an expensive-looking camera strapped around his neck. He had a determined look on his face as he rushed along this street amidst leisurely strolling tourists. Maybe he had a train to catch, but he was definitely rushing life. Retirement gives us time to breathe, time to let up, time to sit in quiet repose. We should know by now that we aren't really going anywhere. We may as well take our time. In our last episode, the topic focused on getting a second opinion concerning health care. Mark Reed from Montreal sent me this story concerning his medical problem that benefited from a second opinion. Years ago, I returned from work in Brazil with a severely inflamed right knee. The hospital emergency put my leg in a full cast. By the time the cast was removed, I had lost all the muscle in the leg. The surgeon, a nice man in a $1,000 suit, decided surgery was necessary. He did not find a thing. The physiotherapist started me on a regime to build back the muscle. A sports doctor talked with me for 20-plus minutes when he said, Tell me about that again. After a whole raft of blood tests, Dr. Eli Dwash informed me that my blood contained a marker for HLA-B27, spondular anthropy, hereditary in one in four family males, an arthritis-like ailment of the larger joints. The correct drugs and a revised physiotherapy regime, and I was playing soccer and jogging within six months. Thanks to Mark for sending this in. If you have a story or examples that relate to one of our shows, please send it to dell at retirementtalk.org. This is Retirement Talk.